Hey everybody, this is Tug Coker from The Long Finish. As you know, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, that we are running a contest. We are trying to give one lucky winner two bottles of wine to drink while Catherine and I discuss them on the podcast. And we want to make these wines awesome for you. Everyone who's entered so far is eligible to win. And the contest ends on Monday, January 20th. This is the last week to enter. We will announce the winner of the podcast on the Tuesday January 21st drop. I believe that's episode 16 of the podcast. All you have to do to enter to win is rate, review, and subscribe to our show. Then send us a screenshot at the long finish on Instagram or TLF pod on Twitter, letting us know that you've entered to win. We're excited to hear from you. We're excited to give one lucky winner these wines. Right now you have great odds to win. So get in. Good luck to you. And we hope to send you those wines very soon. And now back to the show. Welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I am your host, Catherine Weil Coker, and this is my husband, Tug Coker. Hello, Catherine. Hello, and welcome. How are you doing tonight? Well done. <laughs> Thank you. You're the female Michael Buffer. Do you know who that is? Nope. He's the one that gets paid a million dollars to go to sporting events and say, Let's get ready to rumble! Oh my God, it sounds like an amazing job. It's an amazing job. Wow. You just have, you know, you get born with a great voice and you go around and you just shout out your line and no one else can say that line. I think he has that line trademarked or copyrighted. I'm not sure, but like no one else can go around and say, let's get ready to rumble. Michael, if you're a fan of the podcast, don't come after us. We're trying to promote your business. Yeah. Well, maybe we just need the right phrase. Maybe you just need to keep working on and find the right phrase and then you can go to the top with that. Maybe it's something like, um, fill up those cups. Yeah. And listen. <laughs> How about this is your wine? <laughs> Drink it. It's good. Yeah. This is your wine. Drink it. It's good. You want to take the rest uh, yeah, of the yeah, rest yeah. of the host duties tonight or what? No, I that don't know a, how just, to do you it. You just wanted the intro? I yeah. I just want to see if I could do it. I'm sure you, you, well, first of all, you nailed it. I think some people probably turned it off. I'm done with the podcast now. No way. I don't like change. I don't want any change. I like a man. I like a man introducing that show. (laughs) That's what I want when I'm drinking my wine. Who is that lady? Uh, Yeah. Get her out of here. All right, gang. We're back. Episode 15. Woo, yeah. Episode 15 of The Long Finish. We keep going strong. Thank you to everyone. Who has subscribed, reviewed, and rated our show means a lot to us, right, Catherine? It does. And thanks for sending us the messages, the DMs, the emails with the pictures of your review. We got them. You're entered to win. And it's also just so fun to know you're out there hanging out with us, drinking wine. It really is nice to see that people are out there hanging with us, as Catherine said. Fill up those cups. Drink it. It's good. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh oh, we're already punch drunk, guys. We've had about two tablespoons of wine so two, far. Two tablespoons of wine, but it's been a long week. We've been. Uh, yeah, uh, it's a long yeah. finish to it's put our title so into the sentence. True. Long week to get here. Taping this on a Friday night, so we're opening up a nice bottle of wine, and um, I don't know. We're both excited about this wine and the story behind it. What are we drinking tonight, Catherine? Tonight. We are drinking a wine by a female winemaker that I just think is doing something fantastic in the world right now. Her name's Laura Lorenzo, and the name of the winery or her production is Daterra Viticultores, and this is Portela do Vento, the Rosado, 2018, and this is from Galicia. Spain. So Northwest Spain, probably the famous wine you know from there, if you even know that, would be some big, big name Albariños. This particular region is Ribera Sacra, and the main grape variety here is Mencia or Menthea, and that is what this rosé is. 100% Menthea or Mencia. No, I like the Menthea in there. Mencia. You spent some time in Spain. I did. Um, yeah, in high school, I spent a summer there. I lived with a family outside Valencia and in a little town called Godelleta. And then traveled there in college and then also after college as well. Big, huge fan of the country in general and the people that I have met and known from there. But to be honest, I don't know as much about the wine as I know about French wine and Italian wine just because I've studied those more. But as I get to know different producers from Spain. I fall in love with other little pockets and producers and I'm starting to get to know it better, but in a different way. So we'll have to add Spain to our hopeful European tour from this summer. Absolutely. Talk about like New Year's resolutions. Who knows if we're actually going to make it to Europe, but that is on our list for this year. That'll be the fun part of this podcast is six or eight months from now, you'll be discovering with us, team, if we go. I hope so. It's my big wish. This is a big birthday year for me and that's what I'd like to do. 25. Can finally rent that car. 25. I'm so glad I'm not 25. That's true. I knew you when you were 25. Yeah. And I was still struggling with what hair product to use. <laughs> so at least we worked on that. And Are you confident now and, you know, in 2020 no. that you found the right hair product? No, I'm not. And never. Only for like two days. And then I'm like, mm, I don't know. It's not working for me anymore. This is coming from someone who had really, really curly hair as a kid. A mom who just thought it was so cute, but wanted to cut it short and not worry about doing stuff with it. And then trying to grow it out and just feeling like I had a rat's nest on my head. I mean, I wrote my college entrance essay about my hair because it was like my identity. That's amazing. It's been with me. It's like my little pet. <laughs> Do we have access to these college entrance uh, essays? Oh, I'm sure. They're I'd, in I'd my parents' that. house. Yeah. I mean, I remember part of it. I remember talking about being on a bus in eighth grade at the front of the bus. There was no room to sit down. Some kid was going, what is that in front of me? Is that a, is that a bush? Is that a, is that a tree? Oh, no. That's a person with hair. <laughs> then also the name Mushroom Head. Mushroom Head has been thrown around here in the past. Katie Katie Afro Lady. Lots of, you know, comments about that. Well, it's, I'm glad you're bringing this up on the night because you showed me earlier uh, the fantastic Instagram of this winemaker who also has a very unique relationship to her hair, which we'll get into in a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, Laura Lorenzo kind of iconically, historically had this long, long dreads 
dreadlocks down to her waist. And even on the, the label of this bottle, all her labels have like these beautiful drawings and the Portello Dovento labels have a picture of a giant butterfly and a woman with her back turned to us with giant dreads like in the middle of the wings kind of like sitting on a barrel and that was her but she cut her hair off and she's even on her Instagram she has one of her highlights is the beginning of that haircut she posted something a little bit ago that was like uh, kind of missing the dreads but she's a rockin' lady she can pull it off either way but historically yeah that was kind of her look now our youngest son is showing some signs of curls oh they're so cute do you think that he's gonna we can't predict the future with his hair because our oldest son's hair kind of changed as he got turned around one and a half I think but potential for curls for the young one I think we'll have curls a because my hair's kind of wavy like your my, hair's you know, wavy my, my your parents hair is wavy my parents hair my dad's hair is curly my mom's hair is so thick and bit big waves but people going through hair stuff now is very different than people going through hair stuff in the 80s because i mean if i was in high school now and i had access to all the youtube videos on how to tame your curls or like how to dry your hair with a microfiber towel or all this stuff and products like what a leg up i had nothing i mean i didn't even know i had knew nothing so yes our young son may have some curls um he's, he's definitely giving me gray hair as everyone knows out there who has kids they're a lot right now and they mean though they mean well it's just a lot like the kids just you know, emotions turn on a dime. And how do we rank tonight? Tonight was interesting, right? Tonight was pretty low. I would say the fact that we had to manually take the clothes off, put in the shower. No books. Straight to bed. Kicking it was screaming. like crying, crying, zonk, crying. Zonk, zonk. Out. Yeah. So that's how it is sometimes, right? You like rush, 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 and then you put them in the bed and it's like the first song. It's like, boop, gone. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. Oh, you're definitely the same way. I get in my bed, it's like, oop. And you come in, the light's on, the book's on my face, the phone's on my face. phone's on your head. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I get in there and I know what to do. I do get kicked out of the the T, like the mid Instagram, like you're like Amy Schumer's Instagram's on your face and you're like, honey, (laughs) Amy's struggles with IVF can wait till tomorrow. I'm rooting for her too. (laughs) I never hear you come in. Yeah, it's amazing. So that's what we got going on. We're we're fully into our lives. The vacation with my parents is long gone. Oh my gosh, was that last year? That was last year and part of this year. No. It was part of this year. Oh, so yeah. we're excited to talk a little bit more about some wines. And we want what we wanted to do tonight was double down on one of Catherine's predictions, which is darker colored rosés for the year 2020. And this is one of them. So let's hear more about the wine. Catherine? Yeah. So as I said, winemaker Laura Lorenzo from Spain. She loved wine from an early age, went to enology school. She worked for one of... The most predominant winemakers in Ribera Sacra of producers of Mencia. And she worked there for a while. And then she went out on her own and started Daterra Viticulturis in 2014. And she works with some vineyards that she owns. And she works with some vineyards that she has contracts with, um, like negociants. So she works with farmers. Um, this Portela de Vento is with uh, growers. So she doesn't 
actually own the vineyards. She's super, super passionate about reviving soils, whether that's soils that just have been neglected, soils that have been treated with industrial agriculture. Her mission is to find the life in the soil and nurture that back to health. And so she's practicing organic. She does some biodynamic techniques, but she is just a lover of the ecosystem within the vineyard. The wine is also made naturally, so native yeast fermentation, no fining, no filtering, just really hands-off approach, minimal intervention. A very, very clear, transparent wine. And as I was talking about earlier, she had this very iconic look for a long time with dreads down to her waist and just this woman who was just kind of this powerhouse in Galicia, this region that people are so recent that people are turning to and getting to know for finer wines, primarily the grape of Mencia. But also she makes some white wines as well. But I think the Mencia is what really shines in this region. Medium bodied red grape, very floral, red fruited, high acidity, and for me always like an intense minerality. And this rosé is actually a byproduct of the Portela de Vento red that she makes. So one of the methods of making rosé is called sanye, which means to bleed. And it's essentially rosé that is a byproduct of making a red wine. So when you pull in your grapes, you press them and that first press is what goes into making the rosé. The second, third, continual presses, those go to make your red wine. So this, her first press before she makes the red wine, sits with the skins for six hours. That's what gives it the color that it is. And that's what rosé is. Rosé is a wine made from a red grape variety or black technically a black grape variety that sits with the skins. The skins give it that pigment, that color for a limited amount of time, whether that's two hours, 24 hours. Anyway, this is six hours. It's fermented in barrel and then it's aged in smaller barrels. So that gives it also some more texture to it, which I think this wine is really all about what I was talking about this year. You know, it's a more serious rosé. It is not the Provence style. It has this hot pink orange electric kind of color to it. It's actually in a darker bottle, so you can't even tell it's rosé. But then it's got this like pretty in pink wax top. So you think, oh, maybe that is rosé. But I think of this as a fall winter rosé or a more serious summer rosé. Something to pair with spicy foods or heavier foods, like something to make you sit and savor it, think a little bit, not just a chill it and kill it on the patio sort of thing. Would you say the wine would go well with a bean stew? Oh, baby, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cumin in that stew? (sighs) I know a lot of people out there have missed your pairing possibilities for bean stew. Well, you know, I've been... uh, We're back. I've been practicing hold back on that. Yeah, well... Thanks this is you. the one, though. This is this be is amazing it. with beans too, and amazing without like any kind of like spices or spicy bean. I I think actually my mom used to make this bean soup with like eight different kinds of beans, and it was spicy and super spicy and super. <laughs> what else do you think this would might go with? I mean, obviously some Spanish style foods for sure. Galicia, Rioja Baixas. Lots of seafood, so you got to think about that. Some like, I think, I mean, frutti de mare or like calamari would be amazing. Something like fried and salty because this is fruity and bright and fresh and floral, but still has enough weight to it. 
It would be something different. It, I think it also would be great with tomatoes or tomato base something, which is not, it's kind of hard to pair with, I think, sometimes tomato based things, but this what's, could be really What's that good. simple dish that we love? We had it late last year in LA. It's like, it's pan con tomate, right? Pan con tomate? Yeah, pan con tomate. Yeah, we that would there. be awesome. Stop stealing my hosting job by answering questions that I haven't asked yet. Oily anchovies. Our oldest son loves anchovies. It's so funny. Can you believe it? It's a three and a half year old. We have to get him an extra side of anchovies <laughs> when we go get pizza. What in the world? He said, I would like the fishies, mommy. I mean, that is weird. I don't know whose kid that is. Yeah. My mother's. So where on the map of Spain, if, you, if you're having a visual image of Spain, where is this region? This region is all the way at the top on the west side. So think just north of Portugal. All the way west, all the way near the coast. Copy you. And there's actually the native, in the, the indigenous language there, the native tongue is called Gallego. Ribera Sacred means sacred banks. It's a kind of a blend of Spanish and Portuguese, which is kind of cool. But there's just so many different kind of soils, and it's very close to the ocean. It's a really diverse landscape. You mentioned the soil, though. What is the mix of soil? Do you happen to know? So one other cool thing about Laura Lorenzo's wines is that she has this little paper around the neck of the bottle, which has a sticker on it, says open. And if you open it, there are some quotes for inspiration and then also information about the wine in Spanish and English. Super cool. So you can learn something else about the wine if you don't want to look it up on the internet. Isn't that so cool? And I can learn here that the grape variety is Mencia, the altitude, the soil, which is granitic with sandy loam texture. The climate is Atlantic and the exposition is South. How awesome is that? That's super cool. It's so I, helpful. I love that. What a bonus for the wine. Totally. And so special. Like you could save these or just like share it with friends, whatever. And inside, there's a little quote that says, lose what must be lost to find what should be found. It's like a fortune cookie. It is for wine. <laughs> it's super cool, though, because there's that moment when you're drinking wine and you're enjoying it and you're kind of, you're tr really trying to slow down and pay attention to it and be aware. And you want to learn more and you're like, oh, but now I have to go on my phone. Or like now I have to go on the internet and it kind of like no, ruins the moment. Yeah. And this is just like, wow, I can open this little piece of paper and it can tell us simple information that we want to know that it was spontaneous fermented with indigenous yeast and used French barrels. I mean, it's super cool. Well, also, the font is very cool. It is. It's just really well done, really thoughtful from the bottle to the wine, to the packaging, really well done. It's something that you and I respond to as a couple that you know works in retail wine and in addition to restaurant wine. It's really neat. I think I am always impressed by that too with winemakers or, so, or artists, someone that's really, really good at their craft, that they, not are they just really great at that, but they were able to have a vision for the product or the art all the way through to get it, you know, not only is the juice inside the bottle good, but like this design tells us something about the wine, even though like the label, you know, we talk about sometimes like labels are important or they aren't, they're marketing or they're not. But like a label can really tell a story. It doesn't have to just be like, oh, this label has a pig on it. This label tells a story. It has this big butterfly with a woman facing the other way and giant dreads and she's sitting on a barrel. It's like, wow, this tells us something about the story of this winemaker. 
super cool. Well, I, I'm I'm loving this more and more too because I, I agree with you. You know, my dad is a word he loves to use. Shout out to you, dad, called lanyaps, which is like little nice additional things that a restaurant will do to enhance your experience. Often culinarily speaking, little treats, little something special, and I would consider this little thing a part of the wine bottle, a, a nice little lanyap. First of all, it's pretty. We'll put we'll post this on our Instagram and social media because it really is pretty. But there are fun things to learn about this. For instance. It says 2018 was a wet and cool year, and it was harvested by hand on September 22nd. That's really neat to know that. Then it talks about, it says grapes were partially destemmed, spontaneously fermented, as Catherine mentioned, aged for 10 months, minimum dose of sulfites, and bottled in July 2019. It's a lot of fun info. It is. And you know, like you can look online and find a tech sheet for the wine and find all that same info, but you sort of read it in like a blah, 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 I'm reading a chart kind of way. At least I do. It's like I'm reading your, you know, blood type chart or it's like I'm reading, you know, your health chart or something. But this is so it feels like a story because of the font, because of the dual languages, because you opened it on the bottle, because it's paper. Like I'll remember it. I'm not just like fact in fact out it's tactile fact in fact out is foreshadowing for my inspiration of the week Uh by the way i have a feeling i know what it is A couple more questions for you that I w- want to talk about. One, uh, Mencia. You talked about this being a more floral varietal, but is there a comp varietal that you can think of, or is this really something strictly staying close to Spanish, Spanish-style grapes? And It can range. So it often has high acidity, but it can really range. I think of it, it's like a more robust, more high-toned, Pinot Noir. It has different fruit components, different flora components, but sometimes it can go in that realm. Sometimes it can have a little more tannin and be a little more serious. It has a real range. And depending on if it's aged in oak or how early it's picked or how ripe the fruit is, it can be more luscious and ripe or it can be more lean and show more mineral floral and have more acidity. Second question is about rosé versus orange wine. Like this looks to me like it could be maybe a skin contact, almost skin contact orange wine from the look of the wine. Is there a way to generally describe a difference between a rosé and skin contact? I mean, are they the same? It's different because rosé is produced, well, in the world there are black grapes and white grapes or red grapes and white grapes. A rosé is made from red grapes. Orange wine is made from white grapes. The process could be the exact same. There's still skin maceration for both, but that's what you get. That's a clear delineation. It's pretty clear. Rosé is from red grapes. Uh, Orange wine is from white grapes. I think that's super helpful. I think I knew that, but it's helpful to, because we're veering into this, and this is another question I have for you, this theme for 2020, which is a little bit more color in the wine. They aren't that Provence style that you talk about. Yeah, I think people are getting just more open to just different hues in the wine. And that orange wine has helped people accept that. Wine can just be very many, many different shades of many different colors. Not green. Haven't seen any green wine yet. But red, orange, pink, white, 
brownish you know there's just a lot of color range in there and I think that I have this prediction about rosés because I think people are getting more and more adventurous they're they're learning they like rosé and they're willing to take a risk now for the past four years almost every time someone sees a dark rosé on the shelf there's like no no I want something dry and every single time this wine is dry All our rosés here are dry, but there's a perception that when it's darker colored, it's going to be sweet, or when it's darker colored, it's going to be, I don't know, not what they want, (laughs) certainly too heavy or something. But is this wine heavy? No, it's more medium. It might not be super light, but it's a delicate wine. No, definitely. And I I just think that people are just going to be able to take, I hope they're going to be able to take more risks with rosé. Since it's becoming wow, just growing category. Well, you've gone on record saying that this is a trend, so I will hold you to this, and we'll look back and say, you know, you're right, or you're a buffoon. I've been a buffoon before, many times. Yeah, many times. My other question to you is: you answered one of my questions. If you're not in the area, well, first of all, we have some of these wines at Esther's. So if you're in Santa Monica or somewhere in LA and you want to pick up one of these wines, we do have some which we're really excited about. But if you're not in Santa Monica or LA and you're not able to find this wine in the area where you live, is there a way for you to go into your local wine merchant and say, hey, can I get a comp for this? I mean, I said Mencia would probably be in the world of Pinot Noir, but maybe it's somewhere between Pinot Noir and Grenache. My whole thing is like, be open to rosés of different colors and rosés from different places, not just Provence, but like try rosés from, you know, from Galicia. Try rosés from Spain. Try rosés from other places. Try something new. And my other question I have is, and this is, this is an opinion. So at some point we'll have winemakers on the show and we'll ask them this question, but why do you think when color, the color of the wine is this pretty, why do you think to make the bottle darker so that you can't see the color of the wine? I am not sure the answer to that. I mean, sometimes I just want to go back to the winemaker and say, why, why, why? This would sell, you know? I don't know. I don't expect you to I know the really answer to that. I really don't know. And, yeah. I, and I think with all the really thoughtful, cool marketing that they do, I'm not sure. The one thing I do know is that when the bottle is tinted like this- Protects the wine. It does protect the wine. So there's that. But, you know, it's hard to sell on the shelf because people don't know it's a rosé. Thank God this has like the pink wax top. That helps tell you it's a rosé. But otherwise, you you can't see it. So Laura Lorenzo, Catherine and I are big fans of your wine. If you happen to listen to the podcast, we hope that you'll come on with us one day because we want to celebrate you and your wines. But we also want to ask you the question as to why you chose to make the bottle dark so customers can't see the beauty of the color of your wine. This is something that I think, um, this is a question I'm always curious about. It's a by. good question. I will also say, as I was just looking before we were going to talk tonight, Laura Lorenzo's Instagram and Daterra Viticultura's Instagram, they're awesome. She has some cool videos of walking through these insane vineyards with super old vines, like gnarly, gnarly, cool, like bush vines. And it shows you like how this cool, cold, like wet mountainous air that they're in. I mean, pictures of grapes macerating and the beginning of fermentation and then pictures of her too, like pictures of the workers in the vineyard. It's a really cool way to understand the story of these wines. I I was super excited about it. You were. You were totally geeking out about it. I was. I felt like it's another way of like, oh, I'm getting to know this winery. That's a 
that is just really one of the beauties of social media when you when you're trying to learn about something and you're not just reading words but you feel like you're getting a, a fuller picture of the personality and all the pieces of the puzzle that is this place and this person that's cool i agree it's something that you and i are both thinking about a lot with social media it's like there are ways to bring value to social media and this is one of them like it's a place for americans it's probably hard to get to and we're seeing how cool you know this winemaker is and like how cool the wine she makes are all through social media and that's like one of the really really neat assets to social media it is and you can go on someone's website or you can go on the importer's website and read about it or their own website and see pictures and what they have you know thoughtfully curated to like go on their website but the social media is sort of like a more impulsive more of the moment thing so you get there's like a certain part of the personality that you just get in social media that it's harder to get on a website or an importer tech sheet or like the just stat this person went to enology school at age 18. You know, you just don't get that. But then you see this picture of one of the workers in the vineyard and like a shout out to this dude in Spanish. And you're like, that's cool. You know, like I get a flavor for what this place is about. And that's really your MO for wine. It's like wines that Catherine loves are wines that represent, they're like a time capsule of the place from which they're grown. Yeah. And the social media can help paint that picture for you. It does. You know, social media is hard. But um, when someone is just really honest about who they are and authentic and, and showing all the different parts of what they do, I think it really tells that story. So we'll post these social media accounts on our Instagram and website and Twitter and Facebook, MySpace and our VR. Did you ever have MySpace? I was, I was, not a, I was never a MySpace person. Me either. I'm surprised though because you like music so much. Wasn't it like a music I, thing? I think it was. I just, I was kind of averse to social media for the longest time until yeah. I, I realized there's a, you know, hopefully there's a way to. By the way, she's on Twitter too though. In English and Spanish? I don't know, but she posts videos on there. Okay. I'm in. I'm in. So I hope this is uh, some good insight to this wine. If you go into your local wine store, ask for some rosé from the Mencia grape or a wine from Spain or things that are comps to Pinot and rosé, darker style rosés. And if you have you know any varietals that you want us to talk about, hit us up at The Long Finish or uh, on Instagram at The Long Finish or Twitter at TLFpod and let us know if there's some wines you want to discuss and you can drink them with us. We're happy to do that. That would be so fun. Give us your recs. And um, hopefully we can all start drinking together. And now we come to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us lately. I'll go first, and it's pretty simple for me. It's the Jeopardy tournament to determine the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I'm sure a lot of you have been watching it. It's on primetime on ABC. Really exciting, fun, and as I alluded to earlier, just mindless facts and figures. It really is impressive to see how great these three, Ken Jennings, James Holzhauer, I think his name is, and Brad something but really cool really cool to watch and to, to see alex back on the mend you know he's fighting some health issues and um it's, it's it seems like america's into it too i saw the ratings are getting 14 15 million people to watch this which is huge numbers in 2020 for network prime time tv there was a couple rounds where no one missed a question it's just really impressive you know like sometimes people like to mock knowledge and trivia and just dorkery but this is a, a, a true celebration of dorkery and i'm all in so i hope some of you else out there are, are watching the jeopardy tournament uh as a person who follows sports gambling there were some offshore which means not in the u.s not in vegas 
casinos or gambling houses accounts that were taking bets on this and someone leaked it someone was hitting hard the winner of this tournament i'm not going to spoil who it was but i thought it was very interesting that there's always a way to make money and uh people are betting on jeopardy wow (laughs) anyway i'm always inspired by people that uh, are showing off their intelligence their knowledge it's been super fun uh the contestants are very playful and fun with each other it's the winner gets a million dollars so um a lot on the line so that's what's inspiring me this week shout out to brains everybody Catherine, what do you got well as you maybe have mentioned on an earlier podcast i do have a love for my planner and i am very analog I like writing everything down in notebooks, in my planner. I spent a lot of time there. And a few years ago, I dappled into this world, and now I'm committing 100% to the Traveler's Notebook and this amazing studio where I got it called Baumkuchen Studio, which is a cool, not stationary store, but I would say paper analog journal loving thoughtful little place on the east side uh, Altadena where we went years ago and I got this traveler's notebook anyway I am obsessed with my planner loving every minute of it it's also got journals and I got a special pen that goes with it and I'm spending less time with my phone and more time with my notebook and I'm happier weren't you like showing people like giving a tour of your notebook like, come yeah, on, come on yeah. and look at this. Look Apparently, at all it does. Yes. If, like people show off a new car. You're like, look at this. This flips open. This has a, a latch. You can unlatch. You would too if you had this <laughs> notebook. I think I think I think you mentioned it on the last podcast and now I'm going full force. Anyway, Baumkuchen Studio, you've got everything I need. Thank you very much. Super excited about it and um, loving it. We'll post that on Instagram as well. Okay, that's it for the episode. Episode 15 is in the books. Hope everyone's having a great start to 2020. We have some very exciting things coming up for the podcast. Be on the lookout for those developments. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Catherine Wild Coker or on Facebook, Catherine Wild Coker. And The Long Finish is also on Instagram at The Long Finish or Facebook, The Long Finish. And you can find The Long Finish at TLF Pod on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. Thank you to everyone for listening. You can listen to all of our episodes. Go back into the archive wherever podcasts are found. Thank you to everyone again for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you all back here next week. Until then, happy drinking. Ciao.